0: Welcome back for another episode of the AWG podcast where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys Podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans, broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Sport Guys podcast, and this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher. Hey,
0: everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the Awkward Sport Guys podcast. Today on the show, we're going to be talking with CEO and co-founder Jason Morehouse of Checkfront.
2: Yeah. So, guys, there's something, you know, like when we like get guests and stuff, like usually... Greg brings like all the smart people. And so anybody I've asked on the show I know I might have just low key said that you were dumb. (laughs) <laughs> I, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. But I just want to put it out there that this was mine. This was I got somebody on the show. Greg just Greg does so much for the show. He works his butt off. He like built the website. He edits. He gets our guests, and then I just come on and fucking disenfranchise everybody and make fun of them and swear a lot. And I'm like, man, I've got to bring some cool people on the show. So
0: I'm. This was like a big moment for me, you know? Yeah. You sure this wasn't like some Nigerian males? scam where you where jason got scammed to come on to the show and uh, exactly yeah he was he was, he was promised uh a night for four, hundred million dollars usd i did you know okay yeah, yeah i fish him i totally fucking
2: fished him he's canadian so i promised him like a, a fucking uh uh tickets to a hockey game <laughs> he's like he's like i'm in
0: you know, J- Jason, the Checkfront is, is one of the, I'd say, like top five largest res systems in North America. I know they have, I think they hit five thousand clients and they have a different pricing model than most. They have a subscription based, a, a monthly subscription. And they also have the paper booking uh they have a very robust flexible system they just raised some money we'll be talking about that with him but overall he's he was very informative and we talk about a handful of different um topics regarding you know rest tech and the future so, what do you think? Should we just get in and to the interview?
2: No, man. I want to just say this that, like, if you guys weren't, like, I, if you don't catch it in the show, like, the dude's kind of like a super low key badass. Like, uh, like my mom, dad, or somebody I know, well, one of my family members, you say, walks off, carry a big stick, right? And that's what I got from him. You know, like, you got Fair Harbor, you got Peak Pro. Those are supposed to be, like, the, the big titans, you know? And he did on the show what he did on the stage. At Arrival, which because what I'm assuming, because like I said before, it was hard for me to hear him, but everybody that could hear him was cheering for him because he was just like he kind of stood up to those two guys, like they're arguing amongst themselves, and then he just got up and he was just like, "No, we're the best." <laughs> and I was like, "Fucking fuck yeah, dude, hell yeah!" And and like I, I don't know, I really I really like that kind of that kind of swagger, man. And I thought it was a great show, and I'm and I, and I was really excited to have him. So yeah, man.
0: Uh, Yeah, like, let's get into it, man. Let's fucking, uh, let's get awkward. Yeah, let's get awkward. Let's do it. All right, guys, we're here with Jason Morehouse, Checkfront CEO and co-founder. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Jason, as we like to do, I like to get to know a little bit about what you do, how you uh, started Check Front, and a little bit about that background story. Sure, absolutely. And again, I, I wasn't aware of this podcast, but I, I did check it out. I checked out the one with uh,
3: Douglas, which was, which was great. But I was like, what have I signed up for? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Yeah, get ready, man. I, I fucking, poor Douglas, man. He thought he was coming on to some real professional podcast. And then I was like hitting him off all my. I, like I have a weird sense of humor, and so I was hitting with it, and he was definitely like out of you know. <laughs> I'm happy you said good things about us because I was like, man, I was, these poor guys, man, they have no. Th- I mean, with Greg, if it was just you and Greg, you guys would all be like, yes, you know, da da da, da and that. But and then I come in, I'm like a wild card, and I got I got a weird sense of humor. So, he, despite what you've heard, so. thanks for thanks for showing up, man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I should have researched before, but uh,
2: but all good. I,
3: I think <laughs> good... you
2: just randomly accept requests like, from strangers sure. on Facebook. Hey man, I'm
3: happy to talk industry and, and whatnot. So I'll give you awesome. a bit of background. So Checkfront started. I can't believe it now, but it's almost ten years ago. So um, we, you know, my my uh, I was originally the technical founder, and my background is mostly in like um, product and traditional e-commerce. I built consumer products. Um, and, you know, for me, the actual story of the company developed when we, um, so we had a small, a young family then who now they're all kind of growing up, which is also crazy. But, um, we had identified like when we were trying to book things to do for these kids to get them off their devices, to get them out in the wild, to, you know, go explore their, their backyards. Uh, and, and I realized that there was just like, I was constantly like on the phone I was emailing. There was like PayPal buttons, which was gross. And, uh, and then in speaking to operators, so I'm not an operator. I love to travel. I love to do things, you know, outside. Um, and, uh, you know, I do have a, I'd actually, I won't go to that store. It's a longer one, but um, realized that there was like this consum- consumer frustration in, in the things that we were, the way that we were interacting with operators. So I'd built a really small early prototype uh, and got it in the hands of some operators who, you know, were, were desperate. Although at that point, there was still, there's still a lot of education. Like there was still people that would seem to think that it was okay to operate their business on like sticky notes and spreadsheets. And, um, and so to, to educate them early on that this is not okay for me, I work. I want to book at like midnight when I have the time to do these things. So, long story short we, we built out that early kind of um, system which evolved obviously over time from a, a you know two or three staff members on our side all the way to a hundred uh, today um, you know going from a really small cohort of of customers to you know over five thousand in you know a hundred and we quote 128 countries or something but um so we took a really Pretty lean, bootstrapped model. Um, we let our customers, again, because we're not operators, um, help us guide them in the feature functionality that they wanted in the product that was gonna help them solve the technology problem so that they can go and do what they love, which is their business. They've they quit their job. They're following the dreams. They're, you know, very entrepreneurial, which I can absolutely um, relate with. Um, And that's what's kept us engaged this long is that the stories from our customers. And as you know, it's like very broad. Water sports is kind of one of them. But of course, there's, you know, whatever Douglas quotes, like a a, a hundred plus sub verticals, all with different requirements. Um, So I would say we were I would say we were pretty naive going into it. On the requirements of these businesses, because if you're selling in traditional e-commerce, you're selling like a coffee mugs or a t-shirt or whatever it might be, or, or a tea cozy. It's not. Um, it's 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 those systems are relatively easy to design. Uh, although you know, there's great companies like Shopify and whatnot that have done you know incredible things there. What we noticed is that there could be two operators that operate completely differently even though they're in the exact same vertical, it could be, you know, a jet ski company or a rafting company, their requirements are so different. And it's not our job to enforce how they should run their business. So what we built early on and which extends today is a very flexible system that can accommodate many, many different verticals. And that's really our big strength. When we look at um, the competitive landscape, it is that we can meet many, many requirements with a very robust system that does, you know, the you know, meets many of the requirements of all of these, you know, incredible verticals and companies that, you know, I think arrival is, you know, deemed in destination
0: or experiential travel. Uh, I just, I find it fascinating. Jason, I, I want to touch him on a couple of things. You, you just said something that I, I think makes a lot of sense about a jet company is going to operate a heck of a lot different than a walking tour. And I know that, yes. you know, just from being in the software business, Just and we started uh, TripShock back in 20, 20, uh, 2009, 2010. So I'm aware of all the challenges. How do you, um, how do you and, and your CheckFront team navigate that? I mean, you probably have tons of different verticals, tons of different type of categories. Um, how do you try to bridge that together a little bit so you can create a software that works for most instead of a few?
3: Yeah. And it's not, it's not easy. We do set boundaries. So I, I'll just go like we're primarily inbound driven, which is different from many of our competitors that have these massive sales teams that are probably constantly, you know, hounding uh, our, uh, you know, the prospects out there that are looking for software. So we actually get most of our customers coming in through, you know, organically we do certainly have like content and, and great content that our, our marketing team, you know, produces to try to educate and and, and pull customers in. Um, but from that and the way that the company has evolved, because there's so many of these people coming in looking desperately for solutions to their business, um, it does go quite broad. And we do have just the most (laughs) we have the most random, there's a there's a, a long tail of like random customers that are like, hey, I'm I I'm a salon or I'm a yoga studio, and this meets my requirements. Again, it goes back to that flexibility. We don't focus on them, those verticals. We don't show up to those shows. But the way the software was designed, you can book it in, you know, uh, fragmented minutes, you know, quarter minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. Um, those are the fundamentals that really, when you think about a walking tour or water sports or, you know, at a, a adventure park, um, with the fundamentals are there within the technology. Um, then the rest is kind of adding on. So we know there's a subset that loves to use waivers, so we built a waiver system. Other ones don't use it. There's you know people that want gift cards. Some use it, some don't. So it's really just about um, staying sane in the way we think about our our customer segment. So we're not trying to be everything to everybody. We are an in destination focused company. But yeah, it's complex. Like it's. Um, it's nothing that I had initially expected when building out this, this company. Um, but again, it's also, there's, I don't know what it is. There's 150, probably more ResTech systems out there. Some of them are pretty small, some of them are pretty niche. Some of them are just going to be the absolute best, um, ResTech system for this, whatever it is, you can name it, Segway tours. I don't know. Um, but that's not a scalable company, Like there's a market cap there, which means they're not going to get the investment or have the revenue to build out a more robust experiential platform. If that answers your question.
2: I, I have a question. <clears throat> what do you, what do you think your role is in your partners, your customers, suppliers, whatever we are in this equation? What is your role in their marketing? Because at, at, at the end of the, the buying experience, they, they sort of leave my company's destiny water adventures. So they're going to leave destiny water adventures and they're going to fall on check front. They're going to fall on fair Harbor peak pro whatever. So what role do you feel that a res uh, uh tech has in a company's marketing and how do you apply that across those different verticals?
3: Yeah, again, it's a tricky one. So, I mean, initially the, the, the initial thing was not, it was like, Hey, let's just, Solve for efficiencies, so you don't have to have twenty people answering emails and and, and getting overbooked. That was just the, that was it. We were just like we're going to solve for that, and we did. Um, as the industry evolved, there were certainly more things around like interacting with the OTAs. Um, so we've actually shifted over time, and and again, we're not trying to solve every single business problem because that's insane. Got the technology. And then what we would have is operators coming to us saying, great, this is this is great or or, or, or not because I have to shut my business down because I don't have the seats on the boat filled. Like I've got the technology. And of course, we can't we can't necessarily make a great experience. What we can do is provide the tools and the data for our operators to make really good decisions about their business. So when you have the analytics, when you have the data, when you understand the real fundamentals around your high season, your low season, uh, your, your your the amount of staff that you need, when to probably acquire new equipment. I mean, I think data is pretty boring and, and geeky, but presenting data in a way that operators who aren't, again, normally always that technical to make those decisions um, is one. The other one is evolving into, you know, lead gen, so marketing. Uh, so we do integrate into to many of the kind of OTAs, not all of them, because not all of them have open APIs. Um, and, but what we're leaning into now is really trying to figure out the that, that last 20% of the solution, which is how do we actually help them, not just data-wise, but drive more leads, um, you know, fill the their inventory, uh, fill those seats in the boat, whatever it might be, um, is something that we're invested time in. So we did we have launched something, uh, which is kind of a front end tool to make sure that our operators have the ability to um, organically drive business. That's something that we're we think is like fundamental to an operator's success. If they're paying, if everything is going through Expedia or TripAdvisor. Like I just, I don't think that we're setting up those operators for success. Do the OTAs have an opportunity and and should that be part of the ecosystem? Absolutely, there are partners, but it's not high margin businesses traditionally. So when we think about marketing, it's all aspects of that. It's organic, it is channel partners, it's yield management, Um, you know, there's a bunch of things in there that uh,
2: where we think about marketing. So my follow up question is, is that, and maybe it says like one part statement, one part question, but I've noticed this. I've noticed uh, just from the marketing materials I get from Peak that there seems to be this drive in the ResTech industry toward, I wouldn't say it like necessarily call it like m- marketing, but um, pushing this whole idea of like direct sales or, you know, SEO articles or like education for operators and It's starting to feel like ResTech and 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 certain companies, I don't want to lump all you guys together because you're not a commodity. You're a brand. You're check front. You're not Fair Harbor. You're not Pete Pro. You got your own thing going. But it seems to be like there's this drive to sort of start like Bundling in more things. Uh, Fair Harbor's got the Fair Harbor distribution network. Peak Pro seems to like really be drilling down on this the the whole direct marketing side of things, where they're like, oh, we're not owned by an OTA or whatever booking.com mm-hmm. So, uh, do you feel that there's a need for for you to start for Checkfront to start putting on different hats in that regard, as far as like offerings?
3: Yeah, and what you're going to find, I mean, Peak, I'm trying to remember, like these 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 systems are maturing right? They're six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years into the game. I mean, there's new people, there's new systems coming. Every time I say I'm a new booking system, I'm like, don't do it. Don't like, don't do it. It's like so much work to get to a point of scalability. There's 150 booking systems. There's probably four at any meaningful scale, four or five. There's, I mean, there's other, you know, regional ones, but um, what you're going to start to see, and I think this is this is good is that these companies as their technology matures and you're meeting the basic requirements. It could be 90%, it could be 110% and start to think of other ways to help operators. Um, so you have ResD, which is really focusing in on, on distribution. You have the peak is very focused in on um, kind of marketing Fair Harbor, you know, are just kind of doing their thing and continuing to progress their products similarly with Checkfront, similarly with Zola, similarly with, you know, some of the other ones like booking kit. I think it's, it's a good thing in that we're. it's not that we're running out of things to do, but our products at this point are are maturing to a point of uh, meaningful functionality.
0: I, you know, being that I have an OTA and a reservation system, we took the route of going niche with our system. I wasn't ready to go, um, you know, go to bat with the check fronts and the fair harbors and the peaks. Um, we were looking for a very niche industry like jet ski rentals and boat rentals. Really, that's the main main focus. Now we have some one offs, we have some magic shows, we, ha- we have some helicopter tours. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we are building features around a, a very small segment because, like you said, there's 150 probably double. If you if you go into the real you know nitty gritty in some of these markets, like I just saw one pop up the other day locally here. In our area, that's another res system, and they claim to have 100 customers. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of these systems out there, and at, at this point, uh, there's so many. You know, where do you, where do you go in that direction? So, I, I and even from an OTA perspective, our OTA is 90% voting. I, I I don't I think like the next, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the next evolution of uh, res tech uh, OTAs is finding categories. And going, going hard on those, uh, just because it's the, the do it all OTA and the do it all reservation system is, uh, you know, unless you're one of those five or six that, that broke ground and got market share, I think it's very hard to, to get in. And, and for someone that has a very niche business and looking for very specific features, I mean, we get re- crazy requests. I'm sure you do too, Jason. Mm-hmm. They, they, they want like, Okay, so there's an episode of The Simpsons where, where where Homer Simpson created his own car, right? And Homer, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. One. You remember this? it's The yeah, Simpsons, it's so and and the thing is, it was his brother. Like I think his Marge is is. Uh, 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 Marge's brother's car company, and and no one could buy the Homer car. No one wanted to buy the Homer car because it was just his car. And it's the same thing in ResTech. Like if you build all these features, then you're only building it for that one business. And I, I tell you, we say no... A hundred times a month to our, our partners and their features, because we're trying to, we're trying to create a niche, but at the same time, we can't create a system that's only good for one person. And it's, that's, that's the difficult side of things, Um, you know, being now in 2021 with, with ResTech, because there's just so many opportunities, so many choices. Yeah, I'm waiting for ResTech
2: that allows uh, for an option for me to punch a customer in the face during the booking process. You know what I mean? Like I find out, you know, they're doing something and it comes straight through. Wow.
1: So <laughs> you when you guys get that one again. going,
2: I'm sold. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll,
3: okay. <laughs> I our product team now.
2: <laughs> no but way, just, dude. Just, just you went hard, like, hard.
3: I think I – think, like, there is apps. So, I'm going to contradict myself. Like, if there's an underserviced market, uh, be it water sports or, or whatever it might be, I'm, I'm going to just keep with that one. Or it could be um, regionally based, or uh, like we bump into like these systems that we don't know. They could be in New Zealand and they're like, yeah, we got like 500 customers and we've never even heard of them. And we'll see customers either switching from them or to us or, or vice versa. Like, I think that's actually a really and this goes back to like our original roots, I suppose is that we, although we were somewhat broader, like I think there's an opportunity for smaller ResTech systems to occupy that space, maybe grow into other verticals as they've kind of matured. We've seen that with, with other competitors that have, that have done reasonably well. Um, But, you know, it's the the end of the day, like it's such a big, massive market. And I, and I, and I, I mean, I'm not a a philosopher by any means, but like I, I, I think the, what's going to happen in short order in the space, in the industry, as we're kind of like normalizing a bit, uh, depending on where you are, <laughs> I think we're going to see so many more businesses come online, not just like get back into business, but I think there's going to be a shift in people that maybe have this window to do the thing that they really love, um, that they really wanted to do you know, over the last five, six years. doesn't matter what it is, they could you know, do, uh, uh you know, uh, dog tours in Alaska or whatever it is. Like, I just think that
2: is, kind I have of- no idea where you're going with that. I was like <laughs> dog tours, but <laughs> when, when you finished, called? you said Alaska. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Like sled, like snow dogs. Sled, yeah, eat, getting, you know I mean. Keep a getting junior movie.
3: Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just think there's, there's an opportunity. I don't, we don't get into the the fist fighting games with competitors. We like to keep them close. I like to speak with them. Uh, I want to know them. I think there's just such a massive market. This is not going to be, you know, one dominant Raztec system that is going to acquire all of the operators and all the supply. I just don't see it happening. It's too complex. Yeah. It's just going to be, you know, probably a few of us.
2: So I got a question. And for both of you guys, since you both have Raztec companies, so what do you say to the operator? So, um, real, real quick before I ask this question, Jason, um, wh- how, how do you charge? What do what do you, so you don't do a, like a, a booking fee on the customer's end, you charge the supplier, correct?
3: So uh, you can do either or. So this goes back to the, so with us, you just pay a standard subscription fee. It starts at 50 bucks a month, super cheap, you know, goes up based on your requirements, your volume, uh, you know, the number of staff, that kind of stuff. Uh, we do offer uh, like what we call our flex plan, which means if you don't want to pay, if you just like, I don't want an invoice, I don't want a credit card statement. We do the same as peak. We do the same as fair Harbor. We do the same as res and you can just, we would just charge your customer. Now I'm not super excited about that plan to be frank, because what we're not driving the business, you're driving the business right? Uh, if it's going through an OTA, they're driving the business. They should get their commissions. I think they're too high. Um, so we, we do it because we don't want operators to leave or be switched based on pricing. You don't want to bill. We'll do the commission base. You want to pay a subscription fee. So you know what you're paying. Um, then we'll do that as well. So we do have a hybrid approach. And I I would love to hear um.
0: Uh, Greg's opinion on that. Yeah, Greg. What do you? What? How do you do? And then I got a. I got a follow up question for both of you. We started doing a flat monthly fee, and the reason why that died that that opportunity died is because we could not scale with that number. Now, when we switched from the flat fee to charging on every booking, what's the what's we, the charge, Greg? It's between four and six percent. Depending on their volume. If they're larger companies, it's four. They're smaller companies, it's six. And plus we had, um, you know, some companies. It's funny because when I I threw like the $100 a month number, these smaller companies, I couldn't believe it. But when I said we'll charge 6% of every online booking, they jumped up and down and loved it. Even though, you know, if they just decided to take $99 a month and charge that 6% themselves, they would probably make, you know, a thousand dollars a month. so but what that did was it gave us the necessary funds to to scale faster and and have the funds to you know hire developers and hire staff because when we now if we started with a 100 customers we we really missed the ball because when we started tripshock we we had people in 2011, 2012 asking for reservation systems and we started developing ours in 2013 but it took us so long that we missed that whole train by the time we got waveres going it was like 2018 2019 we missed it and we focused really heavily on the OTA side going back maybe i would have switched it but we did go we did switch the monthly fee to the um the the percentage uh booking percentage back i think it was like 2 years after we 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 got we were in beta and for us we we had to do that like it's um that was the only way for us to to scale right, but um and I don't know um Jason, if it's the same but water sport companies it's say, but they're they're very needy <laughs> there's a lot of moving well, really. parts <laughs> to it, and so I am. And, and <laughs> there's I'm a, like I'm like, dude, I need a podcast partner and I need how you to many, edit it every but week. <laughs> but Kevin just just Kevin and I you know we are we're, we're very involved in the industry in really in Florida in general and I mean we have our our partners, even though they can do a lot of the stuff themselves, and some of them are probably listening, they call Amber our, our account manager almost every day for making changes and if mm-hmm. we were only getting ninety nine dollars a month, I couldn't have an amber
2: all right hold on I you so, you, you, you I, this is like I'm dying to I gotta jump in okay, here because okay. here's the my question the original the what I what I'm to say was is so first of all for anybody that doesn't know, six percent is the magic number because somebody some somebody a and b tested this right and figured out that six percent was the magic number where there wouldn't be a significant loss of conversions correct when people checked out i think it's different data so
3: again we go a bit broader so we have actually seen people that do apply the commission in our platform have a higher abandonment rate and that's six percent
2: yes ours is five okay so man now well you just you just completely screwed me up now man i I, I still have this question but i want to i want to touch on that now i wanted i i now i need to know so what was the what was when you say significant abandonment rate i mean what what do you mean what what i just said more
3: so so i don't i'm going to misquote my data because i don't have it in front of me but so again we have both segments of customers the majority of our customers are on subscription there are i would say a small percentage that adopt that kind of a commission-based uh, billing, we see the conversion rate, sorry, the abandonment rate on when they see that fee pop up on the invoice, um, higher when you're paying a commission. When the when the consumer sees that they're hit with a, a fee that wasn't included in the initial um, uh, pricing that they were looking at, they'll they'll there's a higher percentage. And I could get you the actual numbers because. Um, well, no, you, know, you don't have don't. to. I
2: would just be interested in knowing that what, what those numbers were, because I mean, I think that would, that would really support a strong argument. Then I, I mean, I would imagine the only argument for a subscription base. If you tell me that you're going to charge me whatever it is, a thousand dollars a month, but I'm going to have significantly more conversions at at, at least enough to justify that or abandonment uh, in our market. I don't feel like it matters what I do. Like I, it's like blood in the water. So, but for somebody that that, that conversion really matters, like com- totally matters where they're like, man, they're not going to get that back. I, I would imagine that that would be, um, that'd be a really strong argument. Okay. So my question was this. So when you start talking about companies that are doing like, let's just say, cause it's an easy math problem for me to figure out because I'm not good at math, but let's say $10 million a year. So you're talking for check front, $500,000 in. Fees and then for Fair Harbor six hundred thousand. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you close the the guy? Because if I'm doing ten million dollars a year and I'm paying five hundred thousand dollars in fees, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, why don't I just spend five hundred grand and develop r- my own booking software, ResTech, whatever you want <laughs> to call it? what do you say? Don't do that. <laughs> but but <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of companies that have their own you know, their own checkout. And it's not like, I mean, there's a lot that are h- horrific, <laughs> bad, <they're> terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible, but I mean, what would be that magic number? What would you tell that guy? You know, if I want to spend a million dollars on booking software or, or whatever it may be. Well, I'm going to give you two answers. One is that things are evolving
3: so quickly. The consumer demand around the experience, their expectations, which will change and has changed rapidly over the last few years, um, certainly around mobile around whatever it might be it might be your waiver implementation it might be notifications like it we've seen unfortunately larger customers that have gone that route and be like well i'm just going to build this but they're not technology companies there there are so many things around security and compliance and just consumer experience i've seen some awful awful experiences we all have like trying to book something and like what am i in like this is like an old Ticketmaster ripoff or something that I'm, that I'm dealing with. <laughs> so the other answer is you don't have to pay. You shouldn't. The, the frustrating thing, especially for our sales team, is sometimes we're walking people through the numbers. Like I always think if you can charge, and it's the same thing that Greg said, you can charge. If you're charging $100. We're going, to take six, we're going to take six bucks, but you're, if your customer's okay to pay it, it's your margin. Like I'm not driving you, it's different, I give it an OTA, so you're driving a, a portion of that business. We're not driving it, we're supporting it, we're providing the technology, we're providing a great experience, providing your security. But we shouldn't be taking, fundamentally, this is more of a, I know I'm on my, my soapbox here, but like I just... I think it's hard sometimes to get people to really understand the mathematics and it can be frustrating. So that's why we're just like, look, we'll just do this. We don't necessarily agree with it, but if this is going to make your life easier and one day when you get to a scale or you get a finance person that understands the amount of money that you're giving away that you maybe shouldn't be doing. When you think of all the fees, you got credit card fee, you got your ResTech fee, you've got your OTA fees, you know, you've got your insurance and but. It's a lot like and I just I it just can be frustrating to try to do math class with customers.
0: When we have people leads coming in for wave Res and they just frankly do not like the the four to six percent that they have to tack on their customer pays. Well, and
2: because they feel like and, I'm, and I hate to be anecdotal here and I hate to interrupt you, but I'm telling you, we both know why, especially with water sport guys, because they're like. I can get that 6%. You know what I mean? They're like, <laughs> if I'm going to take 6% on, I'm going to get that. You, know, like, you damn well know that's what it is. And I've heard almost every operator that's ever talked about Res ResTech and the 6% thing or or any percentage of it, that was the number one thing. Like I've heard some people fucking go, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want my customer to pay it. Like, yeah, no, you, you think you can get the extra
3: six bucks. We do have customers that do that, that pay us a subscription, whether they're a large enterprise, like in a a larger kind of MSA contract, they'll go in and just, and we've suggested when we've had these conversations, they'll just, you can go in and create a tax, 5% booking fee. It's illegal in some countries to do that, but, um, and that's theirs. It goes into their pocket. We get our, our revenue. They get, for whatever reason, an extra uptick on their pricing. And, you know, it's interesting, like i think at the end of the day it's whatever they want right mm-hmm. um and we have the luxury of doing that if 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 fair harbor was to do that today they can't they can't flip their business model if uh, p can't do it we're, we're in the position that we can offer both because we have a very sustainable you know SaaS is compounding you have sure it's 50 bucks a month or 500 bucks or whatever it is but very predictable we know our churn, we know everything. So, and even just going back to COVID, we sustained when I know personally, when we looked at booking volumes dropping throughout the world, those companies were in a really tough, a really tough spot because their revenue just disappeared. Where, yes, we had some attrition and and, and customers in need, and we gave out, I think, $100,000 in credits. But I like the sustainable nature of it. Um, I think there's,
2: again, it goes back to what they want. So, I, you know, that's funny you say that. Like, I, I I did have a question that was, like, completely off topic. and But just about your company and your business and, you know. So, you guys, um, in the beginning of March 2020, you get your first round of Series A funding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was that like, were you just like, man, I'm fucking glad I called that guy. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, it's literally like a week later, you know, the fucking whole thing, the bottom fell out. So, can you walk us through that? I mean... God, you had to just feel incredibly fortunate.
3: Yeah, it was. It was a crazy time, and so we had been pretty bootstrapped. We did like yeah. a small local round uh, several years before that. So just growing on the on the the rate of our customers. But um, and and just to like go a bit broader, like there was so much. Co- there's so much private equity looming around. There's been this talk of like consolidation for like as long as I remember. Like Arrival being open, so I don't know if Greg, you were you know hit up by those firms that were looking to kind of like amalgamate. And I was like, eh, what, really?
0: Like every Arrival, rest- I had like the, yeah, a couple of them would would hey let's meet by the bar and and they're some payment company trying to. Yeah. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, he looked like guy. he would look like he was fresh out of high school. and He uh... was. I, <laughs> his name,
3: I know the company, but I was like, wow. Okay. So there's lots of money in the industry. There's lots of attention, which wasn't there six, seven years ago. Nobody cared. Our customers cared, um, but you couldn't, you couldn't raise a dime on it. Um, we were super selective. So we have had competitors historically. Some of them are gone that wanted to acquire us. We have, you know, We keep those conversations open, but what we really wanted to make sure is that we we knew the opportunity was massive. We were in a good position. I mean, Roswana can quote that she's the leading independent um, ResTech system, but she's not. Um, uh, When it comes to the number of operators, uh, that would be us. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll fast forward. So yeah, we 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 met a really great partner um, that understood the things that we we're doing. That didn't want to come in and like shake things up in a, in a in a crazy way. They just wanted to invest in in our kind of company vision. And so we closed that. So it was actually a two. It was a, there was a syndicate, and then there was the uh, lead, which is Framework. We closed this Framework in des- December, and then we were closing the second. We were watching the news, thinking like, hmm you know, we have to close the other part of this round, but there's like this weird shit going on in the world. So I just remember like texting on a regular basis. Uh, the, 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 um, uh, the, the investor, the syndicate investor and being like, can you please sign, can you please sign this document? And he <laughs> he was aware, they were aware of what was going on, but, and this was like, yeah, going into March and eventually the deal closed.
2: Uh,
3: it was really good timing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, when I read
2: that date, I was just like, oh, my God, man. That's like literally two weeks away from I the, the apocalypse, man. I, I, yeah. I guess, wow. that's, that's,
0: that's wild, man.
1: Yep. That's awesome.
0: exactly. Jason, I want to talk some about OTAs because some reservation systems embrace them and some reservations uh, systems uh, shy away from them. Uh, some of the reasons could be due to uh, competition, and when and, and it's funny I, I say competition, competing for that inventory because they now like uh, when you give a connect when you connect with an OTA with the reservation system, you give that OTA the same real time access than the uh, the supplier does. So um, you said before um, on the show or just earlier that you would just want to give them the tools and let them make those decisions. You're not necessarily uh, the marketing engine. They're making those choices and you connect with these APIs. Uh, I've seen other reservation. WaveRes, we one of them. You know, We're going to be connecting with other OTAs. Uh, but how do you look at uh, OTAs uh, from your perspective?
3: Yeah, I mean, post-arrival, there was like a, yeah, I like kind of stick it to the man, like draw it and, and, and you know, fight with the OTAs, primarily like, you know, Fair Harbor and, and Boken. But I, I think they're an important part of the ecosystem. I don't think they should be, the and that they won't like it, but I don't think all uh, bookings should be going through TripAdvisor because of the costs associated with it. I think they're a, a valuable part. And there's some really interesting things that we're doing later uh, in the year to make sure that. Primarily organic is your lead, right? So people are coming in, they know about you, they found you, you know, it could be your old school, like uh, whatever is billboard or whatever it might be, sandwich board. Um, Our mission is to make sure that availability is optimized from a revenue perspective. So we want to make sure that you're not competing with trip advisor organically. But you integrate with TripAdvisor, you integrate with Expedia, uh, you integrate with the other, you know, open APIs, as many as you can. But you should optimize your organic and um, market present as best you can from a business operations component. If you don't care about the 30 percent, then it's fine. Like, I think OTAs have a valuable part of this industry. I just don't think they should own the industry. We've seen
2: what happens with that. Does Checkfront, does Checkfront allow for like segmentation or is it just – what I mean is like segmenting your inventory. Can you – like if I go to Checkfront, can I go – like I only want to give three seats to TripShock and I want to give two seats to Expedia and one seat to TripAdvisor.
3: Not – so that is – I don't want to let the full cap. it's coming to some – you can a little bit. It depends on the integration. So with Expedia, you can select various amounts of inventory that you want to put online. It's not, frankly, a, it's not perfect. I think there's a lot more that can be done there. Because ultimately, again, we have the data. We know when you are fully booked organically. We know when you are maybe need some help with some lead gen, or you know, maybe that's time to kind of light up the uh, you know your OTA or, or whatever it might be. So it's not perfect though. We'll get there,
0: Jason. If there are three features that really make CheckFront shine, what would those be? I'm going to go right back to the flexibility. And it's something that for, for over
3: time, we've kind of like beaten ourselves up a bit. It was like, oh, this is like, it is getting too complex. However, as of next week, there is something we've been working on for two solid years that is going to market slowly. We're going to roll it out very slowly. So it's actually, I would say it's a brand new product. It's certainly Mimics and 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 supports a lot of the functionality that we have currently. Um, it is a bit of a refresh. It's easier to use. It's less complex um, when it comes to maintaining the balance of abilities to support complex configurations, while also making sure that operators aren't like you know losing their minds trying to figure it out. Um, so that that flexibility, the broadness of the platform, the ability to both support that tour, uh, the walking tour. And the jet ski rental and, you know, the uh, whatever you want um, is is really what has allowed us to grow and scale. I think that when we think about the future and the opportunity and size of it, um, both vertically and regionally, puts us in a spot to actually quickly leapfrog a lot of the competition. Maybe they're not playing in the same market, but it is that ability to, for our support team, which is like half of the company, our success team, which is within that kind of customer facing team when they come in and they're amazing to be able to provide a solution that meets, you know, all these crazy funky requirements that, uh, our, uh, our, our operators come in with the Homer Simpson like car,
0: a, the Homer Simpson it, features,
2: but <laughs> do they have your operators. And, and I've never, like, I would, I would love to, like, that I would love to get on, like, play around with check front. Like I'm always interested in, um, uh, what we've, what, what my company, anecdotally, has sort of figured out was, is that it's better for us to optimize our checkout system and to create our product types and to, it's, it's the, it's what we make of it. If I have to call your customer service and try and, you know, oh, can you don't. You don't see what I see, you don't know what I know. So it does Checkfront have that same availability? Do you have that availability and go and create your own your own product types and your own different oh, sort of yeah. offerings and, and and would you recommend that people go that route? I mean, I'm assuming that there's like tons of like tutorials and uh, all sorts of educational on the on the uh, Checkfront back end for operators to be able to do that.
3: Yeah, so we would be uh, we we're probably the best equipped at a self-service like again we want and and this with this new kind of launch that was like the precipice it's like yes we want great support but ultimately like we want our operators to go in understand the platform and and use it like and if they need a bit of help we'll give them a bit of help so other competitors you need to sign up you get your demo you have your account manager they're going to set up your your inventory for you but it's kind of like then what like if you just want to go in and change your pricing you should be able to do it without an account manager or a technical support person there.
0: You know, Jason, it, in our, in our case, I would say 90% of our partners are emailing on a, at least a weekly, if not daily basis to make changes. And the, the funny thing is, is we, some we will a lot of times, you know, say, Hey, we'd made this change in the future. Here's how you do it. ABCD A, B, C, D, step-by-step step. we sh- we give a video tutorial. And a lot of the times, you know, they say, okay, great. You know, now I know, well, next week comes along and there's emailing support and asking for the same thing. And it may be something because of the industry we're in. Most of, of our partners are owner operators. They're not sitting in front of a computer every day. You know, we're going to make these, these pricing changes or inventory changes or swapping out certain content. Um, is, is that something that you think that can be curbed with, with better training? Or are are we kind of stuck in some type of paradigm?
2: What are you talking about? We're fucking yeah. buffoons, man.
0: What do you want from us, dude? You guys are
2: smart. That's why you guys got your huge company
0: a hundred people. I'm a fucking dummy, man. But no. But I, 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 I'm saying it's it's got to be. I mean, Jason, you got five thousand clients, and I I can't I can't I imagine like. Chefron has somewhat figured this out maybe a little bit better than some of the others because we, we still struggle with with trying to educate and have it more self-serve. And, and I, sometimes I'm wondering, you know, should we you know, in, uh, invest in more self-serve stuff or should we just invest in a, a larger customer service team? Because I've seen other res tech invest in a large customer service team and a large call center because the latter isn't working or maybe something is just not jiving.
3: Yeah, I, I so and I, I'm not claiming that we're super perfect at self-serve, but what we do do, and we get the same. And I don't know how many tickets we get a day, but it's it's a significant amount. Um, people ask certainly onboarding or switching seasons, they need a bit of help and training. What we do um, pretty well is yes, there's great support tutorials. Yes, we do, and if 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 there's somebody, if we're walking through some, even if it's through email, we do the same thing. We'll actually record the screen and send it to them. Here's how I did this so that they can refer back to it. That goes a long way. And then I think just from a, there's tools that you can install, uh, like full story or something where you can actually look, it's a bit creepy actually, but where you can see where customers are hitting walls uh, or, or, or like they don't know what's happening. They're clicking all over the place. Um, there's good, There's good tools for you to understand from a product perspective where your customers are like losing their minds. Uh, and those are the and ones with this. It would uh, be better even more
2: creepy if you saw where they went right after. Like immediately they go to point. <laughs>
0: Fuck so, this. <laughs> no, Kevin, that's that's just you. It's full, it's full It's full. full story kind of like hot jar.
3: There's a bunch of them. There's like Clicktail and stuff like that. It's just understanding from a our product team would, would look to see where, again, our, our customers or new trials or
2: prospects are like lost within the application. And every... It's it's like maybe sort of like a generational thing though, don't you think though too? Because right now, like we're like kind of on this like the, the this precipice of everybody finally like accepting ResTech, right? Like not everybody was very accepted, like you said in the beginning of the show. You're like people are keeping like fucking sticky notes or whatever. So yeah. it's like patience, guys, because you have you know a segment of people that are like fine, like fine, I'll come over and I'll do your fancy reservation technology, and then they're like, wait a minute. It would be best used if I were to do this shit myself, you know, like fucking exit left. You know, it just—I it, I think it's also the the, the people that are, are using the tools. Like, you got a lot of older guys that have been in the game especially in water sports you know um, maybe with the walking tours you do have a more educated crowd and people that are obviously into education if you're doing walking tours and explaining history you know those type of customers that are probably not afraid to get in the weeds on some of this stuff but you know when you got a guy that's built a you know anywhere from a five to ten or even a single one million dollar company and they did it in their own way, uh, bootstrapping meant something completely like literally, you know, like boots, you know, like I wear boots every day to fucking work. Uh, you know, um, they're maybe not going to be the, the most like uh, uh, adept at, at sitting down in front of a computer for long hours, like figuring this shit out. So I think it's I, I think as a, a sort of technology. You know, the, this next generation, you're probably gonna have more people that are more willing. Like, not that I'm young at all. I know I look really young. I look super young, but, you know, guys so in their 40s, late 30s. Spring that are chicken. Free... Exactly. I know. It's crazy. People are always like, dude, are you like 17? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's also this. It's first of all, they have, there's a gap of them coming over to the technology. Now, the next thing is like, hey, man. Fucking YouTube it. You know what I mean? It's become a thing. And that's, it's a relatively short period of time. So
3: there is that flip. And, and,
2: and we've seen it. And,
3: and even we've seen like someone's son come in and take over his dad's business and be like, what is, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. Like, I can't deal mm-hmm. with this. So, and so there is that, that shift, um, which will take lots of time. But I think there's also like an evolution in, 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 um, in competing. And some markets don't have it. You're the only like SUP guy in the, in the, on the lake. It's probably okay. But when we think about other ones, like they need to, we need to help them step up their game because they are, you know, somebody else is going to move into town. They're going to have the technology. They're going to be taking bookings at three in the morning. They're going to have, you know, all the tools to accelerate their business. And then I think the people, whether they have like, I don't know, handholding or not, they're going to be like, I need, and we've seen it. I need to get ahead of this, competitor
2: we we saw it happen here like it i think greg i mean you've been obviously been here longer than i have but i mean probably i've seen witnessed it just in the last you know four years that i've been here is is that 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 has changed like you are seeing just even from the front end the website are, are are changing but i mean jason you're absolutely right because that's where that's where that battle is being fought and people that have traditionally relied on uh these old school ways of customer acquisition, that's, that's over. That's all over. It's not location, location, or billboards or rack flyers like that. That whole shit. is. <laughs> I think anybody listening to our show probably knows where we, we did a show on rack cards where I think it was 45 <laughs> was minutes of up. us making fun of rack card. That was the entirety of the show.
3: <laughs> I mean, listen, cause there's still like, we, there's a, we're on an Island, so there's a big ferry and I just, I'm always admiring like the amount of rack cards and the investment into it. But I think it's consumers that are changing that the operators just have to like it's 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 catch up yeah because i mean it's going to change based on your segment or whatever it is but um it's the yeah it's the consumers driving the need for change and if you don't adapt to it sure you might have a nice little lifestyle business that you can stretch out for another five years but i think that's just going to change quicker than we, than we even think are you
2: gonna, are you going to be at arrival
3: this year jason Yes, I, I absolutely. I mean, unless the world tips over again, um, I'll be at rival, and I think we'll be up in Berlin. Trust me, I'll... dude.
2: Florida is fucking will be fine. Promise you. <laughs> no matter what the rest of the fucking world does, Floridas going to be like, we're doing what we want, bitch. <laughs> Which is what you've <laughs> That's how, done that's for how like we did it this year, and it was fucking 14 awesome. 14 months, it's basically. <laughs> I, it's so existing. it's so weird. We I can't even like go anywhere else because I don't even know like what proper etiquette is because I come in if I go in like not masked up or somewhere else and people are just like, "Whoa." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't I'm from I'm from Florida." That's <laughs> so all you get to say, just wear your Marlins hat or something. <laughs> <laughs> Neck J- yeah, you, man, they know bud.
0: Jason you know? I got two two questions for you. Uh do do you think that the mobile phone is more of a uh factor in the rise of res tech or is it consumer behavior
3: well it's both i mean it would definitely be both it's the consumers with the mobile phones i mean for a destination like when you're in whatever vegas or wherever you might be like more and more people just be looking for what to book and that's where i'd like google's jumped into the game there like they know um that that's, you know, kind of mobile and we've seen it with our own statistics and it, it's 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 absolutely rising. The amount of people booking. I mean, it, it's, it got squashed a bit last year, but where they are versus like my dad who plans his trip out like 17 months in advance. Like they're there They're looking for something quick to do. You know, maybe you're at a conference and you got a three hour break. You're going to go do this or you're with your family. Like the mobile component is integral to that. And and again, to go back to the other consumer behavior, like if you're not there and you've got this like shitty old yellow website, which um, <laughs> I've seen many of, it's like yellow. What's it's like wrong with text. yellow, dude? <laughs> I just like it just breaks my heart as to like as to the missed opportunity there because you have to be there to get those bookings. You have to be mobile optimized. You have to be, you know, within reserve with Google or wherever that placement is where I'm going to look for something to do while
2: I'm sitting, having some French fries.
3: If they're not there, they're not going to get the booking.
2: There's like a, there's a color spectrum in marketing though, right? There's like different colors like mean like, like uh, different colors have. So like, I don't know. I was like, we're, when we were working on uh, Trexy, uh, that we were they talked like, like, what do you want your color palette to be? And I'm just like, I don't know, fucking like maroon and gold, man, you know, something <laughs> that really stands out. And uh, they, we started talking about the color spectrum. And, and I mean, I knew that to a degree, but I had no idea. It's like each color had like designations of emotions for people. And it's, it's oh, really fucking weird. weird.
0: It is. quite bizarre. Yeah. So, uh, I guess my last question here um, is, what do you think, you know, the next five years looks like for, for ResTech. I mean, it's going to be
3: super, I think it's going to pop, frankly. Like I think, again, I've already chatted on that. I think there's going to be a bump in in, in things and things going to recover and everybody wants to get out of their house and go to Italy or go to New Zealand or whatever. So we're going to see that. We're going to see the, you know, resurgence of travel. I think um, from a technology perspective, I don't think there's going to be this mass consolidation that, that, that has been looming. I think you might start to see some companies come together or do joint ventures or something. I think some of the
0: smaller operators and some have already gone out of business. Um, you know, I don't think it makes sense. Like, you know, just imagine if if you purchased my company, my clients are not going to want to stay. They're they're going to want to stay where they're at, or most of them would because. That's their whole team is trained that way, and it would take years. So, so basically, you would have to support your your dev team would have to support a second system, and your I guess the whole idea would be to move those folks to Checkfront, and then dissolve. I mean, that's kind of like when Fair Harbor took over. Was it Zerve? Well, it is when they bought when they bought the bought the customers but Zerb, uh, yeah. Zerb. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if, I, you know, that's a bad, bad example, but just imagine if, if segment,
2: you buy... Buck- this is a segment of the show where fucking Greg tried to sell his company again. we <laughs> <I> have <laughs> talked like, about this before, I- okay? Stop trying to sell WaveRes, okay? But, this is not interesting.
0: But, I mean, in reality, though, just because we actually had an, an opportunity to buy a smaller so- software, and we thought about it, and we're like, well, we would have to... S- Support this software until these folks felt com- comfortable enough to move over to WaveRes. and who knows how long that could have been. They might, and they could have just left and went somewhere else. So the whole acquisition would have been almost pointless if, unless these folks moved over, integrated to uh, our software. So the consolidation thing to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense from from the software perspective, unless you're. You have a um, uh, your your goal is to operate both systems independently, and over a long course of time, merge them, which is very hard to do. I mean, even when when HomeAway was acquired by Expedia, or should I say, when HomeAway acquired all these vacation rental property management systems, they operated like seven of them independently for years. They didn't, and they because some of these vacation rental companies were so built. Into these systems that they couldn't just switch them and and, and consolidate them. It wasn't easy. So that's why I I feel just from my experience being in the space for for ten years, that's where I feel the issue is. Is that it's not easy to just consolidate all these companies into one.
3: It's a nightmare. Like, and I, I definitely don't think the gobbler approach of like just like going, oh, I'm going to take you and I'm going to take your customers. That's not going to work. Um, for exactly what you said. Um the one plus one plus one plus one, you've got these like home away style. This is boring to me. So yeah. That's um, why Sanders I think it makes
0: it a lot of sense for Bokun to acquire um Bokoon acquired uh TripAdvisor acquired Bokun Bo and Booking.com and Trevor Fair, Harbor. just noticing how OTAs are, are acquiring reservation systems and not reservation systems acquiring other reservation systems. It all kind of makes sense because you know they, they could add that. You know that entity to their existing ecosystem and benefit from it. So um, you know the I, TripAdvisor
2: I, Bo Kuhn thing didn't seem to really sit well with the with the industry, though. Uh, as a general rule, did it? It was just weird. Like it was. It was definitely weird because I, I, because it kind of felt like at that point, then all of your eggs are in one basket, and they own your. You know they own your site and they they own your traffic and they're re- they're selling your reselling your traffic to you like it's a definitely a weird flex as the kids. It sounds
0: play. like they're really trying to figure out that whole relationship between Viator, TripAdvisor, and Booking. It seems well, because uh, they listen.
2: You have a great standardization, then wonderful, great. But then what happened? We go all the way back forty episodes, which you know where I stand on this. Then now we're commoditizing someone's brand. And and with standardization, in my opinion, yes, it becomes more streamlined and optimized, but it also becomes more homogenized, which is and you know which is the an antithesis to what it is that we do. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think like I mean
3: I, I, I knew Yalty. I think he's departed, but um, like it's fine. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with acquiring companies. Like it, it makes sense from a business perspective, sure. From those OTAs acquiring ResTech, I'm sure there's going to be other movement. Like I think there's going to be other things happening. I don't have any like uh, headwinds on that, but um, the I just I just think the operators were confused and kind of held at ransom. And like I, I don't know how many times they've changed their prices without notice. Like I just find that from a personal from a founder perspective like very unfair. Um, yes, they have I mean public companies they have their revenue mandates, but when and I would agree with Roswana on this the independent component means that we're in charge we're in charge yeah. of our destination we don't wow. have a a parent company that's dictating based on the requirements of their shareholders what our operators should do yes we need to survive and make money but i think the independent players and they're collectively there's there's three four five really decent ones will really grow in the next three to five years and you know eventually they need to be acquired to support their shareholders but i think and this is i'm obviously biased to it but I think the independent providers will innovate at a faster rate. And um, I think you're going to see some really interesting things happen there that support the operators, not some dude in a boardroom.
2: My final question, being that weed has been legalized across like <laughs> basically a whole country, has has British Columbia lost its hold on like basically being home of the greatest weed of all time? Probably, but like the amount of dispensaries (laughs) popping up here
3: is crazy. I think there's like four of them like up the road. So
2: I I remember when I was a kid, I don't don't smoke weed, but what I remember as like a kid, I remember just being like planning this trip in my head. I'm like, all right, first I'm going to go to (laughs) Amsterdam. Then I'm going to go to BC, man. (laughs) They got the greatest buds. And I always wondered it because I always thought like there was like, like weed tourism in British Columbia, right? Like that was like a thing for some years, wasn't it?
3: I guess, but it wasn't legal, so you'd have to know the person. I think I know oh. nothing about this. Oh, do you have right a hookup?
0: No. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah. Did I ever tell you, room. Kevin? I got I got married in in Niagara Falls. I got married in Canada. I know it's on the other side, but um, yeah, yeah, I had a good time. So does that de facto make you Canadian? No, You're kind no. of. <laughs> you know, I I don't know if you know this about us, but uh, we're we're from Detroit. We so we were right. Yeah. Oh, okay. we were close Same by. Well, no, I toured. I in- that was at Windsor was the place where everyone went because you could gamble at nineteen and all that. Yeah,
2: so. I have been. I've been deported from Canada like four times because my band when I when I was a young man and we used to tour over. We would tour in Canada all the time because uh, we would cross the bridge in, in Detroit and go over to Windsor and then we would go up to like Burlington and and we never made it out that way. Uh, but we would go to Toronto and that whole area and 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 we moved I Burlington, uh, what's that? who goes to burlington man it's this is like a weird side note but we uh, listen we went to this show in burlington at this bar called mo's and it was a venue um there was like a strip club there too it was like the golden something or another <laughs> right beside you, the red lobster <laughs> so we uh, we went there and there's venue had there was like 150 kids there and they knew who our band was and i I've never fucking been to Burlington in my life or anything about it, but they knew like the words to our songs, and we made we had this great experience there. So every time, like if we were playing like New York or anywhere on the East Coast, we'd be like going up through. (laughs) We're gonna go up through uh, Burlington. We're gonna go play Toronto, and yeah. So yeah, I got ejected from Canada quite a few times. I
3: grew up (laughs) in Toronto,
0: so yeah. yeah, (laughs) Doesn't surprise me, Kevin.
2: What? Come on, man! <laughs> I am an upstanding citizen.
0: Jason, uh, we want to thank you for joining us on the show. It was very insightful, um, and I'd like to know uh, how can people get more information about Checkfront.
3: Yeah, you can just Google it. Go to the website. So there's like again, like just a free trial. You can go in, poke around. There's instant support that you can get. Um, oh yeah, it's right there. Ready
2: to go. Yeah, no, we and don't it, put it good in. Good sales pitch, there dude. Online <laughs> sales. Let's
3: Google us. Man. Techfront.com.
2: Yeah, yes. I swear to God, like, that's the one thing like we always try and tell our guests because of first in the early few, few episodes, people come on and they'd be like, if you come to our establishment, you will get the best customer service. And we're like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. So good organic not pitching your product, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see you both in
3: Orlando. hopefully.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Hell oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna be. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get fucking kicked out of Orlando. You'll be the first person well, to get kicked out of a rival. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen I'm, I'm making it a point.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, we just we just signed our um. Our, our, we're sponsoring this year, so we just signed a oh, nice. sponsorship this year, so we're pretty excited. I mean, if it's gonna be in Florida, that's kind of like our you know, our home base we'll and so everything. So we're, we're happy just to get, just to see people face to face is going to be awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah I can't be great. wait dude. I'm going to wear like, a, like pajamas. I'm like, I'm going to do something crazy. Cause that was like my first conference I ever went to. Did I ever tell you the story, Greg, about my pink, my salmon pants? I went, yeah, to like, I, I'm, I'm- I remember the salmon pants. I had the salmon – so I had salmon pants. Like I was really trying to fit in, Jason. You know, I was like – it's like a tech conference and everybody's got their comfortable shoes. Like, I mean, don't let my all my tattoos fool you. I'm not like a real conference kind of guy, you know. So I, I show up there and I'm like trying to dress up and like be like worldly. So I see these like salmon pants, like Ralph Lauren. They're like 18 bucks, 18 bucks on the clearance rack. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear salmon pants and I'm going to pull this off. And I'm walking and I hear this like European voice from behind me. And they're like, uh, like, like, excuse me, sir. I don't know if that's European, but I'm like, oh, they, they're pointing at my pants. And I'm like, oh, 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 yes. I'm about to get a compliment from some Europeans on my salmon pants because I look so fucking worldly. And they're like the sticker i'm like what and i look back <laughs> and i had this large the pant size sticker on the back. i was like kevin you i'm laughing like hysterically and i went there by myself so i didn't really know anybody so i'm just like standing at the window like beat red face like laughing in my salmon fucking pants this year
0: i'm gonna wear a onesie the entire time no awesome. great yeah i gotta look out for it yeah. <laughs> oh man I'll All right, right well, point. Jason, we uh, again, we appreciate you coming on the show. And yes. uh, as always, everybody, keep it awkward.
1: You've been listening to the Awkward Sport Guys podcast. If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening.
0: Thanks again for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators to continue the conversation. See you next time.